<laughs> Renee's going to be disappointed that she's at a work too. Not there you go. There's the um, there's the the episode title: Red Wine and Chocolate with Stewie Bryan. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Excellent. All numbers right. up the top, Tate. Numbers up the top. Fuck yes. Good job, Will. We can never remember what number we're up to, but we're up to 22. Good afternoon, morning, or whatever time zone that you're in. This is the outside line, number 22. I'm here with Ben, as always. Jack, unfortunately, he's out on the road at the moment. He's going towards nil. So uh, he isn't going to be with us. But instead, we've got Mr. Stewie Bryant coming to hang out with us. Because we've got a couple of things to talk about. Because he's actually been doing some driving, which is well, first first competition in twenty years, according to Dave Egan or whatever it was. Yeah, it might have been a slight misunderstanding there, but I, I, I see it now when I like think about what I said. But yeah, so I'm assuming you said you unretired the car, and he read that as you unretired yourself. Yeah, well, Mez was asking me about Mez was asking me about the thirty two, and and I said it's been ten years. It was actually been been over ten years, and. Uh, I kind of said, yeah, it's been 10 years. And I think um, he kind of took that as been 10 years since I've driven. <laughs> so. Yeah, he doesn't understand how your fleet of cars work. Yeah, there's a rotating... Uh, well, actually, not, not surprisingly, probably less than most, really. I've really only had, like... So what are you looking at me for? <laughs> it, uh, well, I had the 32, the Laurel, and then the Cephi. It's pretty much my main cars, the... White one, the white Laurel just sits in the background. That's not really a whatever, but yeah. Yep, yep. Well, uh, give us give us a little bit of a brief rundown. I know most people are going to know who you are, but let's give us a little bit of a brief rundown of your drift resume. Is usually what we say when, when guests come on. Uh, yeah, tell us a little There's... bit about yourself for for people that don't know. Um, well, so I guess um, probably started in two thousand and. 2006-ish, I guess it was pretty much when I when I got the car. I I bought the 32 that you know this all came about like the I'm doing now, and I drove it at LZ Fest. I bought that when I was 15, and that was 2014, 2015. I went, essentially bought it while I was in Japan, and um, and then began the import process. So pretty much had that, and yeah, as soon as I got my license, it was giving it a well. Um, not necessarily in in the legal sense at that time, but then um, I think I had a bit of a false idea about when you could actually start drifting, and um, and I kind of thought you had to be eighteen and stuff. So it took me a little bit of a while to actually realise now you can drift before you're eighteen. So, um, but yeah, around that time, so that would have been two thousand six, two thousand seven, um, and it was drifting a, a my street car. Uh, it was a different time back then. You were you basically there was a few guys with dedicated track cars, but for the most part, it was like you take your daily driver out there which back then a lot of people had 180s and r32s as daily drivers or even just as a weekend car so drifted that for quite a long time went off the drift and then delivered pizzas uh with it a few days later or the next night or whatever um had it for a while it got a bit ratty a uh, bit too much for the street so I took it off and basically um just kind of pushed towards the freestyle thing. I did a bit of G1 um, in competition in the very early days, back when I was still a street car. But um, it was, you know, I, I quickly kind of found out that it's not not as much what I enjoyed um, 
if I was true, so I pushed more for the freestyle stuff. And, and that was pretty much just um, going from there, just freestyle, doing uh, Matt series, which kind of came out of um, all the Japan stuff. But yeah, did a lot of Japan, did a lot of freestyle, um, kind of focused on just enjoying that and then doing video edits every now and then, which I think is kind of probably where uh, a lot of people heard about me and it was more, yeah, video parts, um, so to speak. And then uh, opportunities from that pretty much to go drive around the world, other events in Australia, doing mostly freestyle stuff, but also competition here and there. Um, and then around that time, uh, Drift, um, uh, Drift Champion, oh, Drift DCA. Champion, right? Drift, yeah. DCA. God, it's been DCA. so long ago, call the full name. DCA came along and it looked like my brand of, of what I thought competition uh, would be about. And it was um, essentially an event that um, you didn't have to win to enjoy. So uh, I thought that's the perfect one to kind of enter. And uh, that kind of kicked off me doing a little bit of, you know, committed to a, a season of competition. Um, and that, that went around Australia as a national championship. Uh, won it the first year um, and then came back the second year. Didn't take it super seriously and then um, was leading that for most of the year and then just came down to a bit of a silly thing that kind of uh, cost me the championship for the second year. And then um, I that was pretty much all I, what I needed to do with competition for a long time. Like I went back to freestyle and, like I said, the in, international stuff was, was fun, enjoying that, um, making friends over there and stuff. So I did that for a couple of years. Um, and... Uh, basically the opportunities with designing the track and running events out at tail and bend kind of started drawing me a little bit away from um, putting as much time into going around the world and, and doing drifting there. And, um, and it more was based upon let's, you know, we got an opportunity to make the, the best track in the, in the world. And so when someone starts throwing around millions of dollars to develop a dedicated drift track, you kind of just have to take that opportunity. You can't, it doesn't come up very often, does you know, it? Not yeah, to have that in your backyard, it's 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 great to 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 go around the world, you know, drive at different events. But when you get a chance to do that in your backyard, kind of got to take it. And then after I kind of got the, got it made, um, uh, the owner kind of turned to me and said, "All right, well now you got to get events there, you got to get drivers there." So that took a lot away a lot of my time and my ability to, to do a lot of focus on driving myself. And it was pretty much getting yeah drivers to to the event, and that's basically um kind of and look COVID hit as well um i was actually at an invitational over in scotland when COVID pretty much came about <laughs> and so i was like and i think COVID was actually pretty there's there's a fair few cases in in the in the uk at the time so um so yeah it was kind of that got me kind of distracted and and kind of got me uh away from international drift and then we started focusing it at home so yeah so you said at the start then, so you were 15 and in Japan and that's when you bought that 32. No, no, just like, so you, it was just like an import process. So, I, so okay. I bought, I bought the car in Japan. Sorry. I was, so yeah. From Japan. Yeah. It was, I bought it in Japan and then, and then imported it over. So the car was in Japan when I bought it. Yeah. And was there something about that, the 32 four door that particularly draw you, drew you to it or was there, um, 
was it just one of multiple cars that you were sort of shopping around for no in fact like i honestly wasn't like really like hardcore into drift or anything like that um i was into japanese cars i was big into like hpi uh high performance imports if any the old people out there the dvds and the magazines um so i was in i was always into the tuning side of things um i was kind of looking at the 180 and the 300zx actually with two kind of cars i was kind of interested in um but for anybody that was back in that time, I remember there was the 15 year rule and that kind of, there was 15 year rule and then the SEVS um, rule. And that was coming in and basically knocking out the ability to, to import a bunch of cheap cars. So 15 year rule. So what are you talking about? Uh, this was 2005. So you're looking at around that 1980. It was, I can't yeah, remember exactly. Cutting off the 89. So anything newer than 89. Yeah, exactly. You couldn't just import willy-nilly. Yeah. You had to go through SAVs. Exactly. So um, so basically, um, uh, so basically that there was a bunch of cars that got pre-approved for import. So um, you could still get them under the 15-year uh, rule, but it was, it was running out pretty quickly. So um, on a bunch of the sites, they kind of show you the cars that were you could still get in under 15 year roll and didn't need to go through the thing. Compliance basically went from anywhere from you did it yourself, maybe like four to $500. Um, if you pay someone, it was about $1,579. I think then it went from my brain, it kind of went up to about three to $4,000 to comply basically the same vehicle. And that was just under the two different um, regulations. So um, it was a kind of a push to get it. Um, so it was basically what, what can I get? And I was looking at cars and I found out that you could get Sephiros under that. And I had heard about Sephiros. I thought they were kind of cool because um, they weren't, you know, as well known as 186, especially like back then. I was like, that's pretty cool. You can get Sephiros. And then I'm like, oh, you can get Laurels. And then and then I kept looking and I was like, oh, you get like 32 four doors. And like I hadn't seen many of those either. So it's pretty much whatever I can get out of those three. Um, which ironically is still kind of the case, <laughs> but um, <laughs> that that makes up your entire yeah, exactly up, yeah, exactly all those anyway. So yeah, and so that that, that thirty two was just sitting there. Um, it wasn't a great example. It was fine. Um, turned out mechanically to be pretty good, but like it was a bit rough. You know, um, yeah, nothing nothing special. So I just jumped on it and. Um, and imported it through, I think it was called Prestige Motorsport. I think they're a Perth mob. I don't know if they're, they're still around or whatever, but um, yeah, imported through them. And uh, yeah, kind of brought it in. And I, I remember having to drive it away. I couldn't even I couldn't even drive manual. So I actually had to get my mate to kind of drive it away from the compliance place. So um, I didn't even, yeah, like I, I don't know if I had my license at that point or not, um, but either way, I definitely couldn't drive the car. So. And I know there's a lot of people that see that car now and I don't know if they quite understand how highly you regard that car yourself or how much you love it because they, generally they see cars that are a bit more missile spec and go, oh, so no one loves it. But you're, you, I know how much you love that car and I think that's a little bit of a... Some people see that as like two different things. Like how can you treat a car like that that way and love it so much but you actually do both and i know how much how closely you are tied to that car 
Yeah, I mean, like, um, and I'm also a very sentimental person. So, like, that's kind of the other problem is I don't, I, I struggle doing anything kind of to get rid of cars and stuff, even the Tetanus Express, like the, the one that I consider a real missile. Uh, I still have that sitting in a, in a backyard and I eventually want to do something with. But um, the 32 was, I mean, it was my first car. Um, like, um, I did so much with it and it also kind of was a big part of, of me developing as a driver and honestly like as a person as well like that you when you grow all those friends relationships and you kind of like i mean that's the car that like i had to learn to basically better deal with people constantly like abusing you and giving you shit over um and it's easy now but like as a kid um you know getting that kind of criticism especially from people that you looked up to you know i was i was watching drift since i was 12 years old or, or even younger um like going out to drift and stuff and you, you there's a bunch of south australians there that i'd see and drivers and stuff and then to have those kind of people like criticizing you for the car you were driving and and and, and i guess making assumptions about about how it was as a driver um you know it was pretty hard back then but you know you kind of you make that choice do i just cave in and just listen to them and make the car and i couldn't afford to drive as much as i did especially as a kid and also um, repair my car every you know event. I was I was out there driving hard, um, and I was doing every event, like every single practice day. I'd be there. I, I remember crashing in the hills, um, and but stoved in the corner, and I basically pulled out the guard. I think um, got a bunch of different little things to kind of get it going, and I actually got these alley um brackets and i just kind of tech screwed them in to hold the guard out in position i was i couldn't do a headlight because i i, I couldn't get my hands on a headlight so i just mocked everything up and got everything kind of in position now there was no corner underneath it but i did that just so i could get out to the practice the drift practice next um uh the weekend after just so i could drive out there um because I never missed a drift practice and I didn't want to start then. So I was just like, I got to get out. I got to get out. And that's, that was the main focus. And yeah, it meant the car would get rough and people would just be like, Oh, you got to clean it up. You clean it up. I'm like, I just didn't understand why, like it didn't make sense to me why I had to do something like that. Like it didn't affect me personally. Like I would have not liked it for somebody to come clean it up after every event, but it was either that or, or drive. I, I, I was drifting on scrap tires. I was, doing everything on on the budget so for me drift events only cost me a few hundred dollars if i had to add on top you know hundreds of thousands of dollars to fix the car um every now and then i did do that was my whole budget my drift budget so i couldn't afford to do that uh, i wasn't spending huge amounts of money on modifications i was keeping it pretty simple and it just didn't make sense in my head like logically why i would have um had to fix up my car like for, for, for other people. And so I just kept doing it. And against like what, what most people were saying, there were a few people that would kind of, you know, support me in it, but like most people were just like, nah, and to write you off like that. So yeah, it was, it was a tough time in that car, but also, like I said, it, it that's a lot of those memories because you come out the other side of that and then all of a sudden, you know, missiles become cool. And now a lot of these people that were giving me shit are now all of a sudden like, you know, kind of like, oh yeah, oh, yeah, I really like you out there, Stuart, and all this shit like that. And it's like, <laughs> yeah. So 
that whole experience totally changes you and how you think about people and how you think about concepts and and ideas and like do i actually listen to people just on face value with shit like that so when you add all those kind of experience up and you add all that they were kind of that car was the base of that and also just a lot of fun experiences with a lot of events around australia and stuff that car becomes such a part of you and your identity and everything like that so um, the idea that, it, you know, I, I just want to go throw into a wall or whatever, um, you know, is kind of, you know, it's, it's rough as it looks. Um, yeah, I, I just can't do it. Actually kind of, kind of affected me a little bit at LZ Fest, not because being a, it was a wall layout where everyone, to be honest, was just throwing their car into the wall. And a lot of them just didn't really have rear ends in them. They were just folding in and they were just throwing them into destroying the rear ends. I'm like, I've got a reinforcement bar that's in there to push tires out of the way on turn one at Malala. <laughs> like the rear end, you know, the, the corners have never got lost in that car. Like it never like got plowed into a like that. So it was so strong that the tiniest little nudge in that would have put your front end in. It would have like oh, there was a video of you tapping the wall slightly and you can see it tries to bring the front back. yeah it was it was solid as hell and um and, and more as well because as much as i'm the first person to say you know like do this and do this to make sure you keep the front out like i i let that rear absorb a bit of bit of shock too in in that i let the front come in just a little bit um not enough that i knew it was going to go in but like i, I just let it absorb a little bit because i was very tender about the rear end of that car as, as bent as whatever it is I actually didn't want to just stove the rear end of that car. So there'll be a time and place for that later, you know, but I, I, I was actually kind of a bit delicate with that car and it probably hurt me a little bit at LZ to be honest, if anything. So now that everyone knows the background, I guess, of that car, cause it's been sitting in the shed for so long that there's plenty of people now that have been drifting for a you, while. You retired that, that car never as known I that started car drifting. Cause I started drifting like mm. 11, 11 years ago so so then obviously lz festival's coming up you've ended up on the entry list and getting that car ready has been priority number one so how did how did that all come about and obviously what was it like obviously i was there for a little bit of it but what was that process like to uh, to get that thing ready for the lz fest yeah, I mean, I, I had a bit of warning. Um, so, I mean, Jason actually called me or I called him, I can't remember, but like he, he did mention, um, you know, what car are you thinking of bringing to LZ Fest? And I was like, and because when I heard when I heard about it coming out, I thought I had, did have a little thing. I thought, well, oh, T2 would be cool. And so I actually mentioned to, to Jason, I said, T2, he said, yep, cool. And uh, I think even he was like, you're not going to hide it up or anything, are you? I'm like, nah, nah. Um, and so it's like, yeah, cool, cool. So that that pretty much. Um, so I had a bit of warning with that we were that we were gonna um, that we was gonna take it, but I was also flat out with everything. So finding the spot to do it was all always gonna be a, a prick. And um, and really, like the only time I could really get the time and and everything, um, it, like it, there's been a back there was a lot of background designing and this and stuff like that because. Um, like any car that I really care about, it gets done uniquely and specifically. Like it's not just bolt on crap and hope for the best. It's, I don't care if it's as good as the thing you can buy on the shelf or worse in some ways. 
Um, I want to do it in a unique way and have the personal touch on it. So there was a lot of designing and a lot of getting cuts made and, and stuff and, and it, you know, getting past CNC'd and everything well ahead of time. So that was probably the only part that made it. I mean, just building a car that functions is, is not that long um, to do, but like do everything custom um, takes a lot more time. So there was a huge design phase and then it moved into um, kind of more the assembly and get everything going and, and, and running. And, and that was probably about four weeks, I'd say leading up to it. Um, so, um, basically, yeah, it, and then probably the last two, three weeks, it was just all hands on deck and just yeah, going like crazy. Um, and I mean, you could say it's stressful and whatever, but like, I think, um, you know, they're just words, but obviously Tate, you, you got to see it. It was, it was pretty full on and it was that pretty much that for. For, for weeks on end and not yeah i think it was, average is probably about a 14 to 16 hour day um non-stop no breaks um but they obviously got longer but i think the, i think the critical thing with, with those not just the work it's the constantly thinking about every single little thing it's the the fact your brain doesn't get to ever switch off because you're thinking about a million parts of the build and yeah you gotta make you gotta do an order and what bit am i going to need that i haven't thought of exactly. next and what's going to stop me the next thing and yeah you, you're constantly putting out fires and problem solving and stuff like that so um that's the thing is there's the mental kind of continuation of that stuff whereas you know they're actually putting just building cars not it's not really that hard but it's yeah it's the constantly thinking about stuff and like i said when it's custom and everything's weird it's problem solving so speaking of weird obviously the the handbrake the dual action handbrake um a few people were, were quite interested in that um from the youtube sphere um you had two calipers on the front did you do you, do you really need two calipers on the front could you do it in line or was that just a a showpiece to make people look at and realize oh what's going on there or is that is there a benefit to having two calipers on the front well i mean i could have painted them black but i didn't i chose silver on a black wheel so um that part of it was yeah to bring attention um it's not my first rodeo like you know essentially lz fest was um you know about kind of you know it's not just a competition it was you know something to kind of it was a show and so, you know, there were a bunch of modifications I did just for my own curiosity, but also, um, you know, to, to make some que um, questions and stuff. But same time, I actually think the dual caliper is the best way to do the setup for act and, and ironically for simplicity reasons. Um, so you can do it in line. In fact, that's how most people uh, run them. Um, so there's absolutely no problem with that. Um, so I might just clarify for people that, don't know this is the handbrake that you push it forward yes and it starts locking up the front yeah sorry so, front. so just talking about the front um uh so you can do that in line which is essentially the way you know it's exactly the same as how you do rear but the reason why a rear in line is a bit more simple than a front in line is purely the fact that um the masters split out with two lines um 
So they come out with a, a left and right, and then they have a single rear line. And when you and so and they, and they usually go through the trans tunnel, which is with the line. So you just zip them up. Yeah, and it's, it's on the way. It's going. It's going past the handbrake anyway, so it's not a big complexity. Um, uh, whereas if you if you do in line on the front brake, you have to tee the two into one, run that uh, into the cabin, into the cylinder, and then back out, and then tee back out. It's not a big deal, um, but it, it is more complex to the system. Um, whereas with the dual calipers, you just run two, like you just run one line out and then split it off into a T to the, to the two sides. Um, there are some benefits as far as performance goes, um, just purely, um, with, with an inline, uh, with a, sorry, with a two-way handbrake that, um, you know, it's going both ways. Um, you, you, like we do have one setup where it's in line in both ways. So it's in line front, in line rear. Um, and uh, we had issues at first, but we've kind of like, uh, but we actually realized later that um, when they went through, they actually found that there was other issues with the braking systems that actually caused them when that all got fixed up. Um, it actually worked fine. So there's, there's not really a huge issue with having the two in lines, but obviously when you have that feedback, um you've essentially got two brakes both in both directions getting feedback in both directions um we might find down the track that it really just doesn't make a big difference um with that inline feedback um but in the like in the early days we're just kind of mostly doing inline for one of them and dual for the other or dual both ways and that it just makes a lot more kind of sense it means there's only feedback in one direction um so um so mo usually what that means inline fronts and dual caliper rears but um in my case i've done dual caliper fronts and uh inline rear it's there's no like like i said it, i i'd like to give a more kind of like you know deliberate answer like an, like the, there was good purpose for it but the fact is is i got a, a lot of missing parts laying around and i've got plenty of four pot front calipers and i was like you know what this is actually really easy all my knuckles have dual caliper visions i don't have to add anything in they literally there's two bolts there so all i gotta do is bolt an extra two calipers on the front and then i've got a very simple um system um and the more and more i kind of go through with brake systems the more and more i just try and have them as simple as possible if i can get away with just one line splitting into two going to the calipers it's 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 better if you have any issues with any one of those calipers um you, you don't necessarily lose um all, all your brakes you know what i mean like mm. you're isolating it to a certain degree if, if you do have that you don't lose from you know like you have a redundancy uh, still it's redundancy and stuff like that there's nothing like crazy you know um a straight beneficial but um but it does also mean, you know, so anyway, point being, I don't really care that much about unsprung weight on the front, uh, very clearly, because uh, it does obviously add some some weight in there. I've got Bill Alloy knuckles at the front, so it, there's a lot of weight taken out there anyway. Um, but I do care at the rear, so that's why I went in the line at the rear. Um, I used some, used uh, Woodward Dynalite uh, four-pot calipers on the rear, and I actually did it in line there with a bias to turn it down as much as I could. But I don't mind the feedback on the rear, so I thought it was more important to reduce the weight on the unsprung weight on the rear. So yeah, I did that, and I thought, yeah, it's kind of once again, it's kind of funny. 
Like I thought people would find it pretty funny that I've got dual oh. caliber front in line rear. Also, you're at like, you know, Australia's biggest showcase of drifting. And it's like, what? It's also a massive conversation starter when someone looks up and goes, dual caliper front wheels, what the fuck is this? And then you can go, well, this is what it's about. And go on yeah, to exactly. what, are your, what, are your, what are your famous Stewie rambles. Exactly. Like, don't, don't get me wrong. There is practical purpose to it. Um, it's not, But a lot of it was, um, like I said, I actually I got, because I got one of the calipers rebuilt because I found them crustiest one I had. And I was like, let's get that rebuilt. And so I got it rebuilt and they asked me, oh, black or silver? I was like, oh, because uh, they just, they paint it. And um, so, yeah, I actually do it silver. And then it came back black and I was like, oh, I was like, now it kind of planted in my head. Well, yeah. So I painted a silver after they just painted it black. And I was like, <laughs> because yeah, it was. Why, why ask that, you if you're going to do the opposite anyway? Like, I know, I know, I know. Like you know, they do, they do awesome work. But I was like, I, I got that way anyway. So, because I, I did think about it, I said, well, you know, the best way it, to get the, to start a conversation of what the hell's going on there, and that's exactly how it worked. Basically, people would come up and they'd be like, "Why have we got two carpets?" I'm like, "Step into my office." And I just put them into, like, <laughs> into the cabin, and they were like, "Oh, yeah. okay." Stepping into the handbrake necessarily, yeah, exactly. You will notice so, extra calipers. Exa- exactly. So a lot of it was that. Um, but actually, to be to be honest, it was actually it's actually Chelsea that really kind of put me onto the dual caliper. Uh, Chelsea Denofa, who actually put me onto to it. Basically, I, I kind of released the setup, and um, and I, I look m- me and Chelsea go back and forth all the time because he's a real tech head and and like. You know, we agree on so much, so many things because, you know, he, 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 he gets on, on a lot of stuff that I, you know, I kind of agree with and stuff. So when he, he kind of put up something that was kind of like, oh, like, I don't really like, you know, understand why you need it, et cetera, et cetera. And that was kind of a bit surprised me because normally he's, you know, very kind of whatever. So I, I, I messaged him, and I, you know, and, and talking about showing a few examples then he kind of was like yeah yeah i'm getting like he got way more on board and he was like he said i reckon i'd but i'd i'd probably do it as a dual caliper um and i said like i, I said to him kind of, like i thought about doing dual caliper but i kind of like i need the license from somebody else to kind of make me not feel like an idiot because i was like that seems kind of ridiculous but when he said it i was like all right well you said it not me and so now i'm <laughs> I'm gonna give it a whirl, and and to be fair, the actual the first car that we we did the setup on was actually the um, drifting SA invite car. So I actually did it on on the invite car first, purely because it had NA brakes on it that are not worth anything, and um, and I just decided hell like you know it's actually gonna be I just wanted to put it in that car, so I kind of just put the lines and stuff in, and I went and got a, a caliper from um, from Kane Scott. Because he's because they are worth absolutely nothing, and I just popped it on because the brake was, the, was there, and it actually cost me less in the lines to to do it that way. So, and it worked great. So, <laughs> um, I kind of test tested on that to, to prove the concept there, and then so the thirty two is actually the second car to have it. Yeah. So you so, um, how was LZ Fest for you? Obviously, you took both cars. Both RB twenty four doors, sticking with the theme there. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, well, you know, we we knew we probably weren't going to be at a test, and we knew there was like, you know, there's a lot of new things in that car and stuff. So we thought, you know, we may as bring it back up. And um, <coughs> we were, we first talked about cleaning up the Cephi quickly, um, because 
um, Renee, um, uh, Renee was like, you know, desperate um, um, for her car to get cleaner and stuff like that. So I was like, all right, two birds, one stone, we'll clean up that car and then we'll, um, uh, we'll take that car as a spare car. Anyway, uh, the, what was it without the engine? I think we had, that was the engine problem with that one. Yeah, no, like, low comp. Low comp. And then we're like, all right, well, we're not taking that car anymore. And then my um, old man was like, um, uh, he was like, well, you can take my car. And, um, and so I was like, yep, sweet, no worries. But his car still didn't have a head on it. So he, <laughs> he had a, he'd had a head problem. Um, and, uh, and I was like, all right, no worries. So he was going to work on his, get his ready. And I was going to get mine ready. And we got mine running, everything good to go. And then he got his head on, um, like basically the night before, um, uh, not before we were leaving and car didn't start. And so they ended up pushing it on. So we left and then they ended up pushing the, the, um, his car onto the trailer, took it to super past Simon, tried to diagnose there, but it was a quick diagnosis and then just decided bugger it. Let's just go. So they brought the, they brought his car all the way there and, um, yeah, didn't. And not running. Yeah, not running. Just hoping that at some point it will run. Praying. So we got it there. We did a bit of diagnosis. Um, I think um, Candy kind of, Ben Candy kind of tried to manually make the igniter work. Didn't work. Uh, sorry, didn't work. So we're like, I must be igniter. And um, basically got uh, Trent from um, um, from Checker Tuning to come over and he did a bit of diagnosis. And then we realized, yep, that switched it out, got that car running. And uh, yeah, so we had the, both both the cars there, and um, uh, thirty two was great. Like it, we we had problems with it. Um, uh, so first day we had an issue with with, with the diff. Um, I look, to be fair, I probably should just commit it straight to to, to the welding it um, rather than going with a shimmed style. But like I, you know, I'd, I'd had pretty good success with shimming to lock diff diffs before well, all mine have i've only ever had one car with a welded diff all mine have been shimmed so yeah i'm surprised your one failed yeah exactly um but you know it's one of those things so um uh that was the 513 that, that, we, that we got done and and uh and we, we just it was opening up on the straight and we we're just like man is this like the tough because that's the only other thing we, we did use an old like a stock rear section of r32 tail shaft like we did use that um like shit maybe it's like the the vulcanized rubber then we'll you know we went through the process of it couldn't smell clutch everything like that and we just realized it has to be a diff so we pulled it out welded it by the time we get it going it was um it was basically uh um it was basically like you know what i think we got i think I got one lap so i got we literally rush it out there one lap um and uh that was the extent of my practice on friday and everyone else had kind of been sessioning the whole day um the next day um it was clutch issues um and the clutch itself no problems it was the it was an extreme clutch in there that we that we spent much time building conversion and stuff um we thought it might have been something internally but in the end i think it was just probably something it was probably just the uh, master cylinder needed a stopper or something like that um and it's probably just overextending so 
small little things like that, but um, it just wouldn't return. And that just killed my morning practice because it's like the car, like it would go to the floor and I just couldn't like re-engage it and whatever. And so I had to get towed off and I was sitting on the track for like 20 minutes. You, <laughs> I was lucky. You've got a T56 in that, don't you now? Uh, TR66. TR66, yeah. so it's a concentric, yeah. concentric slave. Yeah. Because they do oh, yeah. they do like to, I don't know what it is, uh, Jack's VEs did it constantly where the clutch pedal would just stick to the floor. So yeah. it yeah. might be a, a slave cylinder issue. Well, funnily enough, it was um, Dale, the um, the mastermind, um, who came up with a solution of all things, the absolute um, mechanical genius. Um, he, <laughs> We're talking about uh, campaign, right? Yeah, Dale campaign. Gone. <laughs> He, you um, sure he didn't have Vitaly whispering in his ear? <laughs> yeah. No, tell him no, this. No, he, he, <laughs> nah, he uh, he's like, um, he's like, uh, you know, put a put an hockey strap on it. Mm. So you know why he knows that? Because he used to have an hockey strap holding his gearbox in third gear. Um, was it because I know I know that's what he did at LZ because he had he had the gearbox. He's had too. issues with that with that third gear popping out for a, a while. Oh. Gotcha. He, he was using like magnets to try and hold it in place and <laughs> yeah, right. and all that stuff. But yeah, he's like, <clears throat> how do they work? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> how the fuck do they work? <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Well, because and well, and then obviously once again he had problems with his. So like, oh was, yeah. Well, let's be honest. It was the world's most reliable 460 kilowatt RB. Except it wasn't 460. Yeah. CC was like, actually, mate, you were making 500 kilowatts. He was like, oh. But anyway, the, the most reliable high horsepower RV, like that motor has been what, like years and years. That's the Vitaly magic right there. Yeah. Like, yeah. Um, but yeah, anyway, so that, that kind of that, that kind of screwed up our the Saturday too. And it was just, I basically, basically the, I got like, Maybe, I don't know, two or three laps where I was kind of like, oh, yeah, okay-ish. And then it was straight to qualifying. So, like, I didn't really have a chance to really, like, get, like, you know. Comfortable? No. I mean, I didn't really know what the hell I was doing um, with, the, with the course and stuff. Which Because I, I had judged that course many, many moons ago back in the day. Um, and I know the course, but, like, in two, obviously, until you're out on the track, like, you know, I, I think I drove that track probably yeah ten years ago because it would have been basically when, like after I brought the thirty two, um, <coughs> I um, I got Jack's Laurel and it was Jack's Laurel which I drove on that course and that was the last time I drove. It just never interested me, so I, I never made the if if I even knew that that was the layout that they were doing, I wouldn't have ever bothered to go over there because I just I never liked the. It looks awkward. It looked awkward I, from what I was yeah. watching. I still don't know if I like it. It's not. It's just. It's Imagine not bad. doing it's, like the full course Malala, but you have to munge the straight. No, that that's part. That's part of the problem. Yeah. It is definitely better. I, I, I guess I, I, I enjoyed it more than I remembered it. Um, but you know, I also didn't get me laps at LZ either. But, um, so but yeah. Anyway, so I went straight to qualifying. I just kind of, you know, like, um did my best in that and then i qualified i qualified i look, look i think it was kind of a, it was a hard one but it, it i got a 91 on my first one and then um 
which which I think was up there. It was around the top 13 or 14 or whatever it is. Um, and then in the second lap, I, I don't know if like, I don't know if the scaling just moved up or whatever, but I, it just seemed like everyone was getting higher scores. But I just kind of like, I was like, well, I thought it was a pretty clean lap. So I just decided I'd just throw it. And so, yeah, I, I, yeah, I know I, I had no feel for where the wall was. Like, like it's one thing to ease up onto it, like I did on my first run, but to commit to it early and find that place, I just had absolutely no sense of where I was. Like, I just didn't know where the track was, really. Had no confidence how much grip's out there. Um, oh, and I should also mention that, like, um, so, like, throughout the testing, I had, like, two, three, five Kenders on. And um, just because that's what the car came on. And then we decided, oh, shit, we're going to the qualifying. These tyres are pretty pretty buggered. So I was like, all right, I'll just put some other two, some new 235s on. Couldn't get any. So we just went straight into the 265s. So we t- I had no, like, so straight out in qualifying, I was out on totally different tyres. Didn't even know um, where I was, where the entry points were, and everything like that. So we went out there. I barely knew the track. I uh, had no idea what the tyres were like. We were just making guesses. It's a totally different tyre. Um, and guessed on the pressures, and just they just turned out to be like ice. And so the car just floated everywhere and it was just, yeah, it was, it was a mess. But I mean, uh, just missed out, I think by 0.5 of a point in solo qualifying to get me straight into the, the, like the top four, top 16, yeah, whatever you want to call yeah. it, main game. So I missed out by 0.5. Um, but doing that, but you like what, 40th or something then? Cause the, all the scores were like right next to each other anyway. Yeah, exactly. Well, that, that was the other thing. I, I can't remember what it was, but it was, I think it was, I don't know where exactly it was. All I know is everyone I went, went up against, I was leading. So it must have meant. I was yeah, you must high. be pretty high. Yeah. Um, but, um, but yeah, the, well, and that's the other thing. Yeah. It's, we, <laughs> it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's hard when it's, when it's that close, but, um, but that, I mean, that was the thing is it's, it obviously didn't feel like a normal competition because like I'm down there in, like in the in the lower sixteen with like Mitch Lana and Brody Mayer and like <laughs> and yeah. like all the YouTube. and it was like it was a, it was like you know this feels like um this feels like a top tier Australian it was, it's like a, like an all stars kind of thing like yeah yeah you know, it doesn't doesn't matter where you place because you got to be battling people that are good because everyone has to fit in somewhere and. And if everyone's top of the pops, then it doesn't matter. Like the whole field is, you know, going to be absolutely mental. It was crazy. Like, I mean, um, I, I can't speak for any of the other LZ ones or whatever, but like looking at the drivers, yeah, it was just all, you know, top tier guys. Uh, and it was, it's, it was, it was a lot of what I kind of imagine a good national series being, where you kind of grab the best, um, yeah. like drivers in. Decent cars, but not like, but not like they don't have to be in thousand horsepower cars, but in yeah. each state. And um, that's kind of what it was, was that, you know, the, the, the top of the top of, of each state kind of coming together and actually battling on driving rather than the cars. So I think the cars made a huge difference there. They obviously did to a certain degree, but, but um, yeah, it just, it was talent. It was just talent there. So that was a magical radial tire. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And that tire we're on, geez, it was. Yeah, I, was, I watched. I watched like Cam's vlog and, and that, and yeah, everyone I saw that ran that two six five went. This thing's like just ice. 
Well, and that that's where I kind of, because like I said, I had those kenders on and um, I just jacked the pressures up. I was like, I'll go out, I'll literally crank them up to 80 PSI and I'll just do a quick skate and then I'll drop them to what I think I need to drop them to. Uh, and I was like thinking, oh, I'll put up on like 50 PSI. I've just gone out on two, three, five and I've kind of, the only laps I got in were like basically done two, three, fives and I'm putting a brand new two, six, five. So like, I'm probably gonna end up like 60, 50 PSI and I'd rather be a bit slipperier and whatever, end up dropping them to like 30 or 40 PSI and they were just like world slipperier than the, the bugged two, three, fives I just pulled off. So it was, yeah, I don't know. We, we just kept going down lower and lower and the, I didn't go any lower than 15 PSI, I think 16 PSI, only because um, to the t- I had a, I had one pair of um, like borrowed, like like decent wheels that um just happened to be the ones I went out on. I didn't want to go any lower because I was not you want to I want to debate and kill those yeah. wheels. So um I didn't go any lower, but I had dudes with like dropping into like single digits, pretty far into single digits on it. Yeah, yeah, it's not. So was that like a control tire kind of thing? Like so you're all on the same tire or yeah, it was meant to be a control tire, but um, it was obviously guys with sponsorship deals and stuff. Um, I mean, I've, I've heard people talk about doing control tire stuff in general. Like my my kind of feeling with that is, it just gets ugly with tire shops and brands and stuff like that, and um, and whatever. But obviously, for this one, that's that's what they wanted to do. And to me, I didn't really give a shit because I didn't really have, um, you know, I didn't have a brand or anything like that. Kind of. Um, sponsoring me so didn't really bother me um if anything kind of you know yeah it left everything kind of nice and close and everyone was on ice um in a lot of ways but there obviously were a few guys that weren't there was um guys that got to bring their tires because they had those connections and yeah i i didn't notice anything you hear people saying like how fast they were compared to everybody else and this and that but I don't know. Like, End of the day, the guy that won was on the on the shit tire. So like, yeah, I was like, I don't, yeah. I don't think it was real. Yeah, it's one of those things. Like, it, I don't. I mean, I wasn't driving enough to really notice, to be honest. But, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's one of those things. Yeah. So I I do want to go back to one thing before we get into the um the actual normal stuff we do on this podcast, which is talking about the state series. Um, you obviously were one of the original drift content creators like you know back in you know the early days with you know your stuff like the mayhan videos and all that stuff like what got you interested in because obviously you know drifting was what we were doing or what you guys were doing what got you interested in actually filming that and and creating the content like you know you did say they're like you know they were edits they were like a skate edit like was that what like inspired you into that or like because really we didn't see I don't think there is much older drift content on YouTube than your stuff. Yeah, so I like it. Yeah, it was basically um, skate videos, but I was always into all that stuff. Um, but yeah, skate parts was a big one, um, like for me. So it was, but I was always into video editing. So I don't know if it was directly that, but I just like making videos. Like I'd go get clips of skateboarding and I'd do my own video edits and stuff like that. So. Um, I, yeah, it was all, I just, it was a fascination with that all in general, but yeah, a lot of inspiration from skating. I never really went to skate competitions. I, it just never really interested me, but I was going and getting the latest, like, you know, um, you know, video with us, like, you know, 
from we brands like flip and stuff like that you know it was like you know going to get that video and been like see all those you know see those edits and stuff like that and everyone's part and that's how you kind of that to me was was kind of the economy really was what kind of drove me was seeing the gnarly shit that somebody like and that to me was what influenced me in driving was was working more towards getting cool shit yeah, yeah, and that and getting that crazy one or two laps, um, rather than you know just doing a lot of boring you know seventy eighty percent runs. I'd rather nail the one hundred and ten percent run um, once or twice. Now, to, regardless of what a lot of people think, to get those really gnarly runs, you need consistency. Yeah. Um, you, you need to be very precise and very controlled and, and everything like that so that you can get that like crazy one in there um so you know when, when i have to pop back into consistency mode it's it's pretty easy i can just get on that line and i can do that pretty easy no worries um but to go for that crazy one you've you've got to do that and that's what kind of inspired me like you know if you look at skateboarding parts and stuff like that it's not it's not the run that they do over and over and over it's the run that they try it's the it's what you get like stack of 12 stack yeah. like you know, yeah. six, seven times, and then they nail it, and it makes so much better. And, and if they stack yeah. six, seven times and then make it on the eighth, they're probably stoked. Yeah. Because yeah. it makes it so much sweeter than hitting that first go. Yeah. And they're, they're, a lot of those guys are doing it for days trying yeah. to get um, tricks. And to me, that was more what it was about, was getting that crazy stuff. Um, and so that was the inspiration for me. There were guys doing um, video edits and stuff like that, but it was more on, on Street Fire. And I say that name and, and not a lot of people remember it, which is so weird to me because it was literally the YouTube for car videos when I was growing up. But um, there was guys like Clash, um, uh, like, um, you know, there's, um, oh, God, I'm, I'm, I'm shocking with names. But, yeah, it was Clash and um, Justin Shreves and a bunch of other guys that were doing cool content back then. Um, they weren't all drivers. Um and then obviously you had stuff like Bloodmasters and uh, Animal Style coming out with stuff that was more relevant to what I liked. Um, but yeah, for, for me, as far as what got me filming was just literally documenting my stuff. So I started with, um, oh, I think, I can't remember exactly what I, I think it actually started. I remember my dad got me a, like a, it was a Manfrotto suction cup mount. Thing was rated to 90 kilos. So it was like this huge, dinner plate suction cup and it was like still the thing itself weighed i don't know it must have been like two or three kilos the mount itself yeah it was a it was a big thing and it took a whole cam on there and they were digital video video tapes and so that's how i like that's how i was filming it um and yeah i had like he, that was pretty early on the piece and it was just a matter of of um you know putting them on but like you felt the regs were strict with cameras you know, now, like back then it was just like, <laughs> you had to have like three lanyards attached in this. But to be fair, there were missiles in the, in the it's car. Not, it's not like you got a, like a, a 300 gram GoPro on the side of your helmet or no. like on the roll no. cage. Like you've got like a couple kilo, what's a camcorder? Like probably five, six kilos. Oh, yeah. Like it literally. It's a literally, lot of inertia, like, like a lot of mass. Kilos, like coming towards your head and like yeah. hard like metal. That that mount was solid metal, like the the 
the attachment was solved. It was, yeah, you didn't want it coming at you. So, yeah, it was, but but they also, like, didn't know. So you go to some events and they had no idea and some other events they'd be like, they just ban it altogether and others would have them because, like, it was just unknown that the, like, yeah. the only time they had this happening was, like, VH supercars and shit where they yeah. had these like, professional things and it didn't roll. So, um it was a it was kind of a weird you know um uh place back then for it but yeah it was just it was just putting it up there for for my own kind of interest at the time obviously didn't really promote or anything it wasn't really a space to do it this was before facebook um so you put it up and it was just there and like i guess you maybe send your mates links over msn or something i don't know what we did back yeah. then i can't remember but um i yeah it was always it was always a space of just um make the content you kind of want to and and I guess uh, I, I say it to people now, like, you know, that they always talk about doing, um, you know, vlogging and this and stuff and that stuff. And I was like, oh, you should, you know, capitalize on your viewership and stuff. And it's like, for me, like every everything I made was stuff that I wanted to make. And um, I don't, like, I don't mind, like the vlogging stuff and everything is, I for stuff that interests me and, and, and everything like that, like um, documenting the R32 build and stuff, that stuff interests me. It's not stuff that I would do, but I don't want to. I'm, I just I was never interested in making that concerted effort to go out there and do something that I didn't enjoy, and I think that comes across. So I kind of realised that the content that I was making, you know, it kind of fell out of favour with what was people really wanted to watch on YouTube. Um, so you can either try and pivot and do something that doesn't feel natural and you don't really enjoy, or you just say that was that was my time I had a good i had a good run and yeah move run. on yeah well not even move and on just keep doing what you want to do and if it doesn't take off it doesn't take off whatever like you exactly. still have and like a lot of people that do like oh yeah every time i watch you know something pops up like still you done a new edit or whatever it's like cool i'm going to enjoy watching this like obviously you're not going to get a hundred thousand people or whatever it is you know watching like a like a vlog or whatever but like it is still cool to see shit like that that isn't just the same thing that everyone does I think it's just the time you've got to invest in. I think that's what killed a lot of people yeah. in that space that were doing it was you, you spend so much time to create those videos. Um, and then you put up some silly little clip or someone else puts up a silly little clip and it gets, um, you know, those gangbusters. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. It also died out as soon as you couldn't choose the music. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that sucks. It. Yeah, that's, well, what, that's what stopped me. Do I? I yeah, do, do a nice edit to some then... royalty-free drum and bass. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or... As soon as that happened, you're like, well, I eat, I could have all the songs in the world, and there'd be like two that I think will work with this video. Yeah. yeah well, like, so, and that was that was gonna be the free ones. Well, that was the interesting thing because, like, there was a time when I like I wasn't making a lot, but um, well, I was telling people, hey, I'm making like a few hundred dollars a, a month on YouTube, and they're like, what the hell? I'm like, yeah, yeah, they just it just comes in. Like I don't have to do anything about it. Yeah. It just comes in. People are like like making money off YouTube. Yeah. Um, and it was back then. Um, then they comp and this is going back a long way, but YouTube basically changed their algorithm. They changed it a few times, but there was one that was really, really bad and it completely just screwed. I mean like this wasn't a huge income, although I was a kid, so it probably was a fair bit for me back then, even a few hundred bucks a month was but nothing but they totally changed the algorithm and uh, i remember that just just all my views and everything that just got absolutely killed and i was like all right well fuck youtube then so i just it totally demotivated me to actually spend any more time to like 
try and actually create anything of it. And so I just yeah. continue to just put up stuff as I enjoyed it. I don't know if I ever would have actually changed what I did, but you, when you start seeing money coming, you're like, oh, yeah, you could possibly like turn this into something. But I never, obviously, I could even back then, I could never make money off the video edits. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because they just you, get flagged straight away. And, just, yeah. Exactly. And someone else would make money off them. So you were relying on all your raw clips to basically carry you, and the edits would get people there. And then it was no, like, like a, a loss little... later. Yeah. Yeah. But but the fact the fact was it was the it was the short clips which actually everyone loved and actually was making money, but then uh, YouTube basically I, I believe that they wanted short content and then they changed to wanting long content. As soon as they realised that um, oh people's internet can actually download at the same rate that they can watch it. The old yeah. not everyone's video went to ten yeah. minutes and one second so they could get the mid roll so and get yeah. in the algorithm. I technically made fifteen dollars <laughs> off YouTube. The only problem Whoa. was you had to you had to get to a hundred dollars to download it. Yeah, yeah. I was like, it's the, it's the same as Twitch. <laughs> yeah, it's the same yeah, as Twitch. That... I remember I streamed for two weeks because I had like ninety five dollars like sitting in the what Twitch was going to give me, but I couldn't get it out until I hit a hundred. So I oh, better start whoring myself out on the internet again. <laughs> All right, we should probably get into round four and five. Yeah, there's two there's rounds, two rounds coming, coming up. up. They're both at the end. We have the right man to yeah, speak to about those two rounds. Yeah, where are we going, Stewie? What's the layout? Because I can't remember the name. Well, it's the same as last year. We haven't really, like, we're not reinventing the wheel on the on, on that part. Um, same, as, same as last year. So um, round four is reverse into the bowl slash quad kink. Um, and then uh, round, round five is over the hill reverse. But I'd say probably the, the the exciting part I think about um, that is is the the added concrete, um, which is something we're we're working on for the rest of the track too. So it's not just this bubble. We obviously prioritize. This is where it's the most important. Yeah, yeah. For 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 now, we've obviously got Locktoberfest coming up really quickly, so we need to hopefully get um, turn one done as well, uh, and possibly. Basically, like if I, if I, I think both of you guys would know because I think I probably talked to you about, but if I asked most people, you know, how many corners are there on turn one, like the main turn one section? Like as in how many like different radiuses are there? Well, yeah. How many, how many ways can you go through that whole turn one section? Yeah, there's a few. Yeah, so most people would say two, right? You've yeah. got the really tight one, and then you've got the one that we use, like the outside one. We well, go back, and then you tell people, no, there's 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 three there's three roads. Well, there's rally cross. Yeah, so there's two, <laughs> no. there's two, and no. then they diverge into one, which is the shorter. Is that right? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Ben. Oh yeah, there's that little stupid island there. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, exactly. So that was there was always meant to be three corners there. Yeah, it was never meant to be two. It was always meant to be three there, but in the final stage, they kind of just—I don't know—they just left out the radius. They didn't put yeah. any radius there. Um, yeah, it's just this little weird aisle. Yeah, I know. I know what you're talking about now. I remember that. Yeah. So, so if you actually look at that, that's actually pretty much based upon Ebisu Minami's kind of uh, size and radius and stuff like that. So it's um, it's. It's like a perfect size for, I'd say like a like 140k an hour backward entry. Yeah. So like, 
Um, obviously, you can do backward entries on the on the big one, and they're kind of more fun in a lot of ways because they're so hard to do, to like throw a huge amount of angle and to carry that all the way through to the thing. No, I don't um, know what you talking about. I can't, I can't do that. <laughs> yeah, that's but, like 160, if, 170. Yeah, yeah, and and and. and but whereas this one here is a more traditional because it tightens up the the yeah. real tight one is way too tight um so um the idea with this second one is to fill that in and actually provide um finally the, the third corner there and i honestly think it's probably it's probably the most fun corner for i think most people like i think yeah. it, it must be the most fun radius and and size because it's yeah i feel like that would make the um the like the the, the left hander afterwards kind of more unique too because you will be coming in more like a chicane rather than having like yes. this, this constant radius from the right and then into the left so yeah would make that a lot more interesting as well to spice things yep. up 100 and like if you've done the the small one before the small one's actually a heap of fun yeah um it's just you're it's slow just, you're going slow it's That's, slow yeah yeah, but it's actually it's actually really fun and to do backies and stuff into, and but it's um but the whole point with this one is yeah it's, it's you can carry a bit more speed push out wider and um and you'll actually carry it through so and it's actually a really wide corner once we fill that that inside in so uh we'll talk about like that that'll be a later kind of one but um the they're they're hopefully getting done for Oktoberfest but I can't hundred percent say that it will be done um but for round four five the most interesting thing i think that i think most people are going to be stoked with the quad kink um extra parts there because it's it's, it's tough but I, I like how it is now because you can be so precise to link yeah. the whole yeah. quad and but it's I, also I, we're sending the the guys that are learning through there and yeah and that's, that's some yeah, of them don't have yeah. quite enough power to, i could hit the quad kink with the Stop Commodore, right? Yeah, it's not. It's not. You can do it. That's a, yeah. Yeah, Some of gotta, those cars, that's still. The you got to really range. work for it. <laughs> yeah, it's it's line control, and I think it's a great yeah. lesson for the yeah. L two guys. But you know, part of the reason we we send the L two guys through there is first just keep them off the, the wall. Yeah, it's reduced consequences, and the the problem is right now is with everyone kind of like going off the edge there and and you know digging trenches. The consequences are actually pretty gnarly <laughs> by the end of the day because there's yeah. a big lift back onto. If that ripple strip wasn't there, the, the track would probably be a lot safer. Oh, you're telling but me. Because that's there. I smashed my yeah. rotor on it. Not the yeah. actual brake rotor, but the wheel. But yeah. Well, that's probably the best. That's probably for the best there anyway. But, um... <laughs> I was waiting for that. <laughs> Going to get some D speeds, mate. Strong like ox. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I would have taken the, uh, the entire ripple strip out. And would have done us all a favor <laughs> yeah so so basically if you imagine that um if you imagine that ripple strips basically been uh, widened to that the whole way around yeah so um it's we it's it's about um it's one meter or sorry about 1.1 or something like that for most of 1.2 i think in the wider section um we really widened the start like going forwards um, which would be the end for round four. Yeah, um, which that start. was where most of the dirt drops were happening was on that that point there. Yeah, yeah, and so um, that has been that we we put even that that's that's heaps because that was also really bad for the Carters too. Yeah, um, yeah. So um, 
So basically, that's been why, which I think is going to be like the L2 guys are going to absolutely love that. Um, did it have Canva put in it? We no, didn't. Didn't? We, did, we didn't on that one uh, because the Carters use that. Ah, uh, okay. And they get big. Yeah, we don't want to we don't want to um, play with fire too much with the Carters. Like we want to keep it pretty simple for them. Yeah. Um, um, but yes, so on on the on outside the- of over the hill for round five. So you go um, along the straight backwards essentially, and then yeah, over the crest, over the and crest, then and then right left. down into that big sweeper, and then it really slows down. Yeah. So. So on the outside of... Will's got it up on the screen right now if you're watching on the video. Good yeah. work, Will. Thanks, Will. We have visual aids this week. Thanks, yeah, thanks so... for not rocking up, Jack. We have visual aids this time. <laughs> yeah, so if you if you kind of... If you if you look at kind of where, where the pit... Um, well, that'd be pit entry, but essentially when it's reversed, it's pit exit. Um, basically, just after that, um, we... Uh, it's been it's been widened out there by uh, one point. I think it's one point two out there. It's pretty wide, but yes, it's got a, a decent camber to it. So, yeah, so that's going to like bank it in. It's cambering up, isn't it? Or is it cambering back? Yeah. So so the track is the track is quite cambered um, uh, itself. So yep. we basically match the camber in the opposite direction. Yeah. Yep. Um, so, so it's cambered in to essentially help you turn, and then you, it's cambered. Yes. So we because if we, if we did it flat, like um, it would have almost been like a Nico yeah. drop if you had it flat, because it would have changed well, the. It, well, no, because if we did, it, it would, but but the problem it would it would have still um, been a drop, but the problem with that was any water wouldn't have drained very well. Yeah. Yeah. And so we went. We basically matched it back the other way. So yeah. we double whatever the track camber is. It's essentially the angle of the dip is double that. Yeah, yeah. So, so it's almost um, it's almost like a little burn. Yeah. So say it's say it's a five degree camber. The 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 differential between that is about ten degrees. Yeah. So it's pretty significant. I like um I think Will did have a a picture of um yeah that was oh that's the inside. Um, that was us that was setting it up. That kind of gives you a bit of an idea. That, that that's before it got concreted, but that gives you a bit of an idea um, of the difference of what it was. We didn't go crazy on it, and we do want to go crazy on some of the other parts, um, but we don't want to go too crazy just purely because it is high speed, and you are loaded up like mm-hmm. a lot there. So we didn't want to. A, a lot of why we did it is um, obviously to extend the track, and we we like. I think it'll make the track a lot better because right now because of how shallow you've got to got to have your angle and stuff to you know because of how um, narrow the track is i think it kind of spoils people really flaring it out there mm. and so what we what we tend to see people do um there is they come over the hill and they they transition on power and then they stay on pa- they transition early on power and they go down the hill on power mm-hmm. and they really keep it nice and trim and they really only flare out really by the end. And yeah. that's not really what I want to see. Um, now, I'll, I may be driving this round. So this is, even though I'm saying this is kind of weird because I'm kind of setting up the notes essentially for a competition I might um, compete in. But this is what we've been going for for, the, for all the years. 
the idea is to hold the transition as late as possible down the hill and actually transition as really well, late. the car's loaded. Yep, and, and flick it hard and then basically be trying to decel straight after the, the transition. Um, so that's that's. So you actually want the cars to be light while they're going right and then load up and transition and really like snap and then throw into that airbin. Yeah, so so trimmer down the hill, less less angle over the hill, yeah, and kind of trim, 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 and then snap big yeah. on transition, and then like and and you can do pretty much back on entries into that corner, and and when you see how most people are doing it, it's super trim and super low angle. I'm not expecting people to do backward entry. I'm saying it is possible, and when it when backward entries are possible. Then it means that decent angle entries are possible, but the the it's like fundamentally how people are driving it to me is not quite right yet, and I'm hoping with that width it'll mean that people um, will use more of the road because if they if they've got more road there that they can transition later and they can actually have a bit more flair into that corner. So and then so on the inside there we've actually added. Um, Concrete as well with a little curving, so it's just got a yep. little a little step. Um, that's it there. Um, it's hard to see on there, but yeah, it does step up a little bit. We don't expect drivers to be anywhere near there, so it really shouldn't add um, a lot for the competition aspect of it. Um, but uh, we know that as people learn and stuff like that, they tend to end up on the inside there, so it'll mm. it'll, it'll it'll help through that process there. Um, and that is recovery required. Yeah. Well, that's the other thing is what happens is people go there and they, they put dirt onto onto the track. Exactly. So we're hoping if we have that, the other thing about that is the race section there, it gives landmarking. So it's, even though we're not expecting people to be there, when you see that, you know what you're aiming for. The part of the problem with before, and when you don't have any curving there is it's just all flat grass to you. And you can sometimes see a little bit of bitumen, but if it's all flat, it's just it's hard to get that perspective. You're kind of guessing. Yeah, which you've got a nice painted raised section there. Um, it'll landmark it, and you'll be like, I know that's the inside. I've got to go a little bit wider than that. So you can set yourself you see your car up a little bit earlier, and hopefully it'll mean that they're actually able to get wider of it. Um, if they can see it, then they know that how to, what they're going to do to get wider of it. So um, the other thing about that is if you think about it for – um going forward direction that will gain us a whole lot of speed especially with the outside oh, yeah. Sections. yeah because that corner is surprisingly slow considering how cambered it is i don't know if it's the just i don't know my, my speed through there like going flat knackers is always limited by how much front grip i had like i was like i, I was always like i'm like i don't know how people do 170 i'm gonna get like 160 and i'm like I'm speed racing through that last quarter as fast as I can. I, I don't know what it is about it, but it's just it's not a fast corner. I don't know if it's yeah. the bitumen that was used there because it was low priority, or I don't know what it is, but it's just not a fast corner. And yeah. so a little bit of um, inner curve there will help hopefully just cut the corner a bit and make it a bit faster because, yeah, it's just never been a fast corner. And so it's mm-hmm. kind of been a bit of it's, it's been the limiting factor of how fast you, uh, you can. Um, top speed out there so 
Yeah, we don't. We obviously won't run that for um, competition. It will obviously give um, the chase guy a bit more space on their yeah. run up, but um, I don't think that's normally really a restricting factor for them anyway. Uh, anyway, there, but it does mean released off the line and stuff. We have a bit more space and stuff like that. But it's 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 mostly going to be for freestyle, for big entry comps and stuff like that. I reckon I reckon it'll give you 10 to 15k now through the corner. Mm. And I reckon Which will it'll be probably... 30, 30k by the end of the straight. Well, no, nah, because it, it would probably like it probably won't mean as much by the end of the straight because but um but I think you know it's still gonna I think it'll still add five ten K an hour possibly yeah. for some guys at by the end of the straight. So I mean when guys are already doing 160 plus, you know, hundreds difference between 160 and 170 kind of entry is pretty huge <laughs> like because everything is obviously exponential at that point so that'll be sick for that i'm really like keen for that um and um and the other one we did was um lengthening the wall a little bit further so coming into the bowl so that's always been a safety hazard um oh where the tires were that i crashed into yeah and, and sven's infamous run up the wall there in the old yeah. ether. Yeah, so definitely look, it won't make Sven's incident any more fun. In fact, it'll probably make his worse, if we're perfectly honest. But because he was kind of lucky that he went up early and not into the corner of the wall. Yeah. But you know, we're not like if you go into a wall, like because basically what happened for him is there was there was no concrete wall behind those tires. It was just with tire bundles and then a heel. Yeah. And so it kind of meant it made his Looked dramatic, but it didn't really do a lot of damage. I don't think all things. His car see. mounted, yeah, the tires. Yeah, yeah. He ended up on but, top of the tires. But where it's more, what we're more worried about, and the the big one hasn't happened yet, is more that if he if that had happened like a few meters more to the left, mm-hmm. and then he'd just gone straight into the corner of the wall. Um, yeah. Because yeah, there's a conveyor belt that that kind of holds. Like it's meant to hold on, but that just gets ripped off. Like it's conveyor belt behind tires, and it's like bolts into the wall. Um, when the when the track was designed, it was obviously designed to go both ways. But like when I went to the track and I like looked in it, and the wall just ended basically on the concrete on the on the um, bowl, and I was like, didn't go any further. I'm like, uh, what happens when they go reverse? And they're like, well, it's not meant to go reverse. I'm like. Yeah, it was definitely meant to go reverse. Like, it was designed that way. <laughs> and they're like, oh, well, we didn't think it was. And I was like, I don't know how that slipped by. <laughs> so um, that was a bit awkward. But, um, but yeah, it, that's that was – I don't know how they just – why they just decided to end the wall there, but that was their kind of thinking. But the problem is it's not just reverse where it's a uh, – it's not just reverse where it's a problem. Forward it's a problem too because we've got these tyre bundles waiting right on the edge of the track. Yep, strong for you. Yep, and so yeah, when you when you when you basically what happened with with Steve Beasley was mm-hmm. you took the wall, pulls your front end in. Now, if, if you pull your front end into a concrete wall, it sucks. But you you're, but you're along. skimming along the wall, not yeah. getting gripped up by a tire stack and getting put on your lid. Did you see that BMW that that ended up on its lid? It was like a slow-mo vid that was done the last oh, few days. Oh, oh, mate, that he- yeah. his helmet fell off mid-flip. Yeah, that was real. But th- they are different <laughs> types of walls and, like, yeah. that. Yeah, different different things. It can it can happen, but it's unlikely. Yeah. But if you 
<laughs> if you get kicked into tire barriers, they they just flip you. Like yes, yeah. that's all they do. Um, well, they they have the whatever kinetic energy goes in comes out at a random angle. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, it's carnival. <laughs> so they um so yeah anyway so the idea was lengthen that wall a little bit longer um we 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 had a we had a choice whether to just cut off like just to bend the wall and go straight off into the dirt and then just have like a bit of a corner to the concrete which somewhat fixed our problem but was still kind of putting a pretty sharp you know bend of it's, concrete yeah it's not even it. really the fact that it's the corner of the concrete it's that you have concrete that's on a different angle to what the track is. So you have exactly. somewhere to be going into rather than skimming along. Exactly. So um, basically um, the idea was in the end, we chose to run it longer and, and kind of tapering away. So just it, instead of it, it following the bowl around, um, it, it just went, it just started just going straight off. And so um, the idea with that was, realistically it means that we're gonna to have to put more and more concrete down there down the track as we you know get funding and stuff for it um but for for now what it means is we can we can run a tire um bundle just kind of protecting the edge of the wall there without it being on, on the, the track line yeah it, it might just touch the track a little bit but the the track there isn't the primary line. The problem is where that wall ended before was on the primary line. Like it's it's on. Now the you're way. coming at it. You're yeah. aiming at it. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So um, the idea with this is like so you, if you if you got onto that line early, you were basically if we put tires there, you were going to hit the tires, and now we're going to push you into the wall. Now, if we put tires in front of that um, corner. <laughs> You can still have the perfect line and and uh, not hit them. However, if you go in too um, too deep too early, you hit those tires, and it will happen. But it, it's it's the best it's the best that we could do right now. And like I said, we'll we'll keep extending that wall, but it's not a cheap exercise. you can see the construction photos and stuff of um, that Maddie Bennett's uh, and and his and his team did. There was a lot involved in forming that wall and stuff like that, and the whole process. You look at it and you're like, "Oh shit, there's a fair bit of work there." So, um, not a not a cheap exercise, but thankfully, um, Maddie, um, you know, uh, really helped us out there with, with all the pricing and stuff like that because it's something that Drifting SA is pretty much covering um, so far. We're, we're we're negotiating things here and there, but currently we're basically just copying um, the cost right now. So. Um, you know, Drifting SA is is a, is a non-for-profit club. It does make events off, uh, make money off a lot of the events, um, and the idea is to to kind of spend them to to improve, um, you know, drifting where it can. And and this is one of the areas where these, I mean, everything we've done here has been a safety issue, um, yeah, in, in one way or another. So with there's some fun ones that we wanna we wanna contribute to, but. We're really just tackling the things we consider safety issues. Um, uh, you know, on the outside, um, over the hill, yeah, it's fun. It adds adds more to the track and everything like that. But um, it also, you know, the, the, there's also a concrete section that starts again. Much it's not as bad as on the quad kink, but it means that when that divot gets cut out, once again, you've got this big 
um, corner waiting for you just yeah. to fucking smash your rail and stuff like that or, or whatever. And um, so, yeah, it's it's protecting people's cars, protecting safety, protecting the track because, you know, when you hit those things, kills your tyres uh, or kills your rims, delams your tyres, and then it's cutting up the track and stuff like that. So, yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, um, obviously, I'm, I'm looking at the notes. Oh, uh, yeah, he's, he's got he's got another thing on the notes, which is uh, talking about keep it free. And then after that, goes it's probably nine thirty, so that'll be enough. It's now nine thirty. We haven't even yeah. gone through all the notes. Yet. Silly tight. Silly tight. <laughs> we had some technical issues at the start I, as I well. I didn't allow yeah, all I, the technical issues, which is silly tight. To be fair, I was all. I was also loading a trailer and I was even like, even at the start of the podcast, you could probably tell I was, I was, I was trying to manage a few little things and thought about like it. I, I have a of, message from Renee that uh, she goes, oh, it's okay, Stuart replied, but <laughs> about a computer, yeah. asking where a computer and car is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I, yeah. So she got her car. She got, she, she well, the good news is the Safiro has another motor in it. Yeah, got tuned. Got tuned today again, so they all got switched over by by CC yesterday. Um, Happy Renee, exactly, and that's, um, what, that's what we need. And and it all got tuned, so it's all good. But then she also like laid it on me to hey, like I uh, I need to get my car. So long story short, I had to go rescue the car, and then <laughs> then I had to go put the trailer away. And it's just been a whole ordeal. But hey, at least there's the Safira's going. So that's that's one. That's one car. That's well, no, hang on. That's now we got two cars in the fleet, which, which are running. Well, obviously the Laurel too, but we still get a thirty-two going. So, um, unfortunately, um, in the end, uh, it, it basically, well, I it didn't really get to finish that, but yeah, on on the Sunday, we it, it unfortunately lost lost all pressure. So, I, um, we we had we had a bit of an issue. It was meant to get billet billet oil pump, and um, there was a. Long and short of it, the oil pump I ordered was meant to have the bigger gears. It rocked, um, and then it rocked up. Didn't have that, so we couldn't put the we couldn't put the billet gears in that pump. And then we went out there with a stock Nissan pump, which I thought would have been okay, but you know, Nissan don't make them like they used to, and um, it basically just uh, shattered the oil pump. So um, billet gears going in, and hopefully we'll have that ready for round four five. Anyway. Cool. So you're on the entry list. I'm assuming that um, Hayden's going to be out there because since he's leading the championship at the moment. Well, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. And then we got Luke coming back from WA again, I'm assuming. I haven't seen the entry list yet, but... Um, Matt Harvey. Luke, he's coming over, is he? Yep. Oh, I'll spice it up a bit. Nice. Yep. Hell yeah. So... I mean, is he in the the good car or the 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 new party car that looks just like the good car? Uh, no, I'm pretty sure he's in the. I'm pretty sure he's in the good car. Nice. Oh yeah. yeah. So I mean, like, yeah, it's. I mean, um, so we don't have Dale, which is which is a shame. Um, Vitaly mm. Magic Magic finally got let out, but um, both, both sides of the block. <laughs> is it both sides? <laughs> both sides. I, you know, I did, did you see, not see I his did, photo of him looking I through the box, and I was like, "Have they somehow like got the camera?" Like, I was like, "How are they?" You, how didn't, you didn't think about the fact that there could be two holes. I didn't think it was a possibility. 
Actually, yeah, I didn't occur to it. I just, <laughs> I didn't, didn't I just thought it was one face, not two faces <laughs> taking a photo all the way through. Yeah. Okay, that's... Well, I don't know. I because yeah, I mean, um, to to be fit to be fair, like um, from what Vitali said, he 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 had the warning, and then yeah. kept going. So yeah. Um, it, it the was, brilliant it was photo, like, though, um, the one that he shared of him with, because he had someone right up his clacker as well, which is, I think, why he kept going. Yeah, Bogger. Um, yeah, Bogger. Yeah, Bogger right behind him. And there's just this photo of him drifting with three plumes of smoke because it was the the two off the tyres, and then you could just see the, the engine disassembling itself underneath the car. You see, like, a wrist pin or something like that <laughs> underneath the car. Yeah. Yeah, well, I think because, like, I guess I'm new in the space of aftermarket running aftermarket issues in my cars. Because, like, uh, you know. You're like, like oh, warning, the, what's that? <laughs> one of the reasons, one of the reasons I'm like, oh, yeah, safeties would be probably nice to kind of, like, save my engine. And then I think I said something, I said, what, well, what about the safeties? I said, well, what safeties? I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> like, I don't think he has a very complex. No, it's a pretty, it's a pretty. Um, ECU in that thing. No, it just something. pops up on the laptop in the passenger seat. It just says danger to bottom end. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> danger to manifold. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, so, um, yeah. Anyway. Yeah. So Matt Harvey coming across. That's cool. And I some WA guys, other WA guys coming. Yeah, I did. I did think Luke was saying something about, or his dad was saying something about trying to get a truck over for the last round and actually get a few of the boys over. That was that was the plan. Um, yeah. We've got to kind of um, see how we're going with it all. Um, I I don't know. I know heaps of NT guys coming over for Locktoberfest. Yeah. Um, Locktoberfest is going gangbusters, so yeah, yeah. I'm... Renee told me I won't say how many entries because this is going out far too late for that. But if you are going to put in an entry for Locktoberfest, you should and have done it, it still already. Available, <laughs> then I would get on that shit right away. Yeah, yeah. I'm I mean, going to be in yeah. Mel- uh, Sydney that weekend, so boo, boo. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. I mean, like, I think we get. The like one thing I notice when I go interstate is, um, is that's one big thing that people talk to about, talk about. They're like, oh, Locktoberfest, you know, that I like it. So we've got a lot of people from NT, Vic, New South Wales, um, uh, probably probably WA as well. But they're all they're all coming over because yeah, it does have a bit of a um appeal from from other places and stuff like that. So I guess it's probably just like I mean being able to constantly drive different places one thing i would say to everybody as well is stick around for sunday you know uh pace yourself on pace yourself on saturday i, I was talking to a, to a mate the other day and and he was he was talking about oh you know i'm i bought a weekend pass but you know we'll probably pack up saturday like we'll do like friday saturday and we'll probably pack it up by sunday i said to be honest if i was you i would pace yourself make saturday more of a social day Drop in and out, like do do a layout here and there. Um, maybe do a bit of skip hand, like enjoy it, but be be chill. But then, um, like save yourself if you can only do so much driving. Save yourself for Sunday, because Sunday is always like way less people um, than, than Saturday. Like a lot of people, were, you know, use their tires up because they got way more track time than they were expecting. You know, a lot of people drop like flies. Yeah, I think a lot of people don't. They're like, oh, I've done Matt series before, and they like go there and get like six sessions, and they're like, all right, 
and they come to Locktoberfest and it's like continual running in each group for like time and time and um you know and it's not even like Mal- saturday afternoon like you'll go oh there's three cars on track right now like yeah exactly it just doesn't stop exactly so i would say for everyone pace yourself and and hold on for sunday because the reverse layouts are cool um and um and i don't know because every year gets bigger and bigger i don't know how we're going to do special stage um like I don't even know if we should advertise it that much because I feel like we don't have the capacity <laughs> to run uh, that many people with it. Because I think last time I don't know how many cars we had last time and it was pretty chockers, but it was uh, it was only like ten last time or something. Yeah, I, I don't think people really know what it's about. But just to give you just give everyone a bit of an idea, um, basically the idea is we get everybody in form up and we make it we make a track. And we, we print it out on a piece of paper. We get you to come to form up. And it's had different versions. So this is the latest version. This is the little version we're going to stay with because this was the best. But we get everyone to go to form up. You have to have a passenger. We don't have to, but it's, I guess you do. I don't know. But we get a passenger. You, you need someone to read your pace notes to you. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And then we give you that piece of paper with the track direction. And you've got basically that time to, to learn it and for your co-driver to learn it and then you go out there and and you try and remember it <laughs> basically just judge who did it best um i think last M- year, mixture of rally drift and carnacross and yeah. speed boats and w- speed boats. <laughs> what's hilarious yeah, if you want to go through the water splash then yeah. feel free what's hilarious is I, I i designed it last year and and like to be fair i designed it and then i'm like yeah cool just print it like we didn't we didn't really study or anything like that but um, then um, we uh, when we had to choose it, or we were, like went to your partners. I think like Ethan was like, uh, I don't know if he said he want to jump in with me or, or whatever, because I'm like, oh, fuck it, I'll do it, even though I've you know whatever. I, even though it's our design, I'll I'll do it anyway. I'm not gonna win, like take the prize or anything, but I'll, I still want to do the the thing. <clears throat> anyway, so I thought, well, I may as well get Ethan in my car, I guess, because that makes sense because he's the other, he's the race control guy that was with them in designing it so we're the two people that knew what the layout was ahead of ahead of it so it's only fair that we kind of go together he's not jumping another guy that can win it the the one team that can't win it we can be together he wouldn't Um, remember anyway (laughs) he was fucking useless (laughs) foreshadowing oh he had the piece of paper in front of him too like it's he still had it and i'm like and like i i i got pretty i got pretty far and then i forgot on like one of the last corners and he sent me the wrong way. Um, <laughs> so it doesn't even, sound like Ethan. Even even we even though we made the layout, we still didn't remember it. We um, <laughs> Lindsay was the only person I think that got it in one go. We I think we all most of us got it on the second go. Yeah. Um, and then I think on the second go we actually did it in, in tandems too, which was really fun. Um, so I uh, accidentally did it in tandems, but I don't think the guy in front of it really wanted <laughs> that to be the case. Yeah. yeah. But it, <laughs> it, it is. It is super fun, but I think a lot of people will just like get out of there because they're like, I don't know what that is. Um, and then to be honest, like I said, if we had heaps of people, I don't know if it would actually work. It might just be too many people. But either like way, single qualifying, solo qualifying. He spent four hours doing long. special stage because there's just so many people lined up. Yeah, it's it's kind of it's kind of worth just like because you never ever do anything like you won't do anything like it. So it is worth just 
lining up and waiting for just one or two runs. It's it's that much fun. The run itself, I can't remember how much it is, but it's like it's about a minute solid or something like that of driving. It's yeah. a long lap. Um, and so the whole point of it, the reason why it's one at a time is because it loops back in on itself. Yeah. It's one of the unique features. So you get to drift the track in a way that you can't do any other time. Yeah. Yeah. yeah well we, and we wouldn't do any other time because it doesn't make enough sense to run it that way, but it is really fun. Because it doesn't have to be in a circuit. Yeah. Mm. It's got, it can just go back on itself at any point in time. Yeah. There are so many sick yep. layouts on that track that you could do that if you could just run back on itself without worrying. But yeah. then you just, oh. you just lose like so much track time by not having it in a circuit. Yeah, I think it's like we. I see. I see other like, um, like um, events and stuff where they do it and they, you know, they they run whole events and stuff like that. And like we could do it, but it's like you gain so little. But <clears throat> like if it's just out, all the other lads are shit or whatever, if you, if you have to do it, it totally makes sense and it's make it's, it's great. Um, like the stadium stuff where you know they're just making use of only laying down what's there yeah but that makes sense but um yeah for for when you've got the ability to have really good layouts outside of that it's just logistically a nightmare but there are some really cool kind of layouts there that just little hidden gems that you're like shit Mm. that was fun but yeah so i also got grip sessions which is i mean probably a little odd for a drift event but certainly um it's something that there's a lot of people out there that have drifted for a long time that have never done grip. And there's a lot of people that also have never tried grip in their drift cars. So that's something a little bit different for, for people to try. It was actually for me last year, even though it was pissing down with rain, it was probably the highlight of the day was getting out there and trying to drive these drift cars straight and then getting in with your mates and comparing all the times and being like, oh, I was faster than you. Yeah. That's I think the thing is like it gives us a little like obviously with the big entry comments all that, but I think it's just like having these min, this mini little competition thing where it's like it totally changes the dynamic because <laughs> you go from dripping with your mates and stuff to like there's a clock here now, you know, and like oh, I still I still love the judged aspect of our sport, but like then you go out and you're like, all right, well I was literally just faster than there's, there's no way we can debate this. <laughs> Except for when we had uh, transponder issues that one year or whatever, but yeah. then, you know, then there was then there was some excuses. But um, but yeah, like there's like obviously the faster or whatever, it totally changed it, and it's really refreshing. It's another one of those things where you kind of see other people there, like oh, I'm just different drip, like you know, screw that bloody grip stuff or whatever, and you're like, everyone that just gives it a go comes back like, wow, that was way more fun than I expected. It's just a complete way to change up your day. Um, and what we did last year, I can't remember if we did it the year before, but we did, um, so we did time attack, like straight time attack. We did that in two categories. We did it for the time attack guys and for, so straight time attack guys and for drift guys in a separate group. And then we did the drift attack, I think it was. Um, and that one, you had to be drifting the whole track. Which was, and it was pissing was- down with rain, so it wasn't. Difficult yeah, exactly. Is is what it was, but um, but that is a that's actually a cool, um, kind of little change up in itself where you've actually got to be drifting the whole way, and who can drift the fastest, and and that's I, I don't know, that's it's a lot more fun than I think most people kind of think. But we the time attack guys, They're we've got a few guys come every year, and they absolutely love it. It's 
it's i think it's one of the i think it's a really fun track um because you don't need aero you don't need power and you don't need brakes um <clears throat> all you need is good handling um agile cars are better um but you just need good skill to drive it because it's basically even like turn one which is straight after a straight the reason you don't need good brakes necessarily is because you can't just brake in a straight line. It's not just a straight braking section. It's this weird, like, you've got to turn into the corner and then use the car. Like, I mean, <clears throat> for me, I find the fastest way is to actually, like, drift into the corner, like, let the car kind of come out and then just let the car slow down naturally. Because if you brake too early, you're just leaving... You know, I remember your uh, fastest way into that corner last year, which was get too close to the wall, get all the water running off the wall, and then just go straight. Oh, yes. Straight yeah. aquaplane. This is, this is where I don't make a very good race car driver. Um, like, because I don't think about shit like that. You know, I think race car drivers are like, no, you can't do that because they'll upset this, they'll do this, upset this. And I'm just like, I'm just going to go really near the wall. And then, of course, there's runoff there. And yet, I just fucking like, I just don't think I'm, I like, I'm, I am extremely stupid. So that's my big problem. Well, that, that should be the tagline then. I'm extremely yeah. stupid with <laughs> yeah. <doing> Bryant. <laughs> yeah, I just like, it was. No, no, no. That no. Was, you see, the thing is, that was I might, I might be extremely there. stupid. <laughs> no, no, no. I am. I didn't say I might. There's no. There's no doubt about it. But yeah, that was um that was a fucking ride. And what it wasn't even in my car, so that was the best part. The uh last little thing on here, because we're probably closing out on this uh podcast now. Keep it read, I think today put out their um calendar for next year. Um fun well, thing. Well it's in the drivers group, I don't know. Yeah. That's all right, sorry, but there's a couple of Wintons, it looks like, which is good. It's good to see Winton back on the calendar. Yeah. Um, all the comps seem to be early in the year, and there's two, which is like February 17th and March. It's like three weeks or two weeks it's or three just, weeks apart, like between round one and round three. Yeah. yeah. I'm kind of looking at that going, I hope there isn't a DSA round in between because it'd be good to bugger off over there, leave the car, and then come back in yes. a couple of weeks. But It's only so, Melbourne. It's not that far to tow your car. Yeah, I hate driving. The problem we have I'm is not I'm, a truck I'm driver. Sure yeah, the problem we have is I'm pretty sure we were aiming for a February day in the end. Like, we normally do March, but I think um, there was a re... I can't remember what the reason was for it, but I think we were, we were probably going to push for a Feb date. So we'll have to, we'll have to dodge it um, as much as we can, but um, we, can, we can only kind of do so much just purely because, you know, we, we split out. But, um, yeah, I, look, if, you, if you'd ever gone to any of their events you'd know why they're doing what they're doing. Um, Cause it because it was fucking windy last time I was there. <laughs> then that is how it is. Everyone. Yeah. Every cold and windy. It's just, like it's, yeah. yeah. It's cold to do. Like it has its own weather system. And then Melbourne's trash, a uh, horrible place to live. I don't know why anybody does it, but it's always cold there. Um, All seasons no, think, in one day, buddy. Look, I think, I think they, we, I think they got exceptionally unlucky last year. But man, I've been judging there since early 2000s. Like I said, back when we used to just do the run the wall national thing for VDC. And it was the same back then. Like it was it was always crap then. I, there were a few nice times, but it's just something I always remember was always shit weather. And then, yeah, like the last two years of Keep It Rate, 
I mean, the first year, I reckon it was like, I don't know how many events they did, but there might have been one okay weather. And then last year, every I think every round was was shocking. And so I was talking to Josh about it. Josh just like, like that defeat you see on someone's face, like they have no control over it. And they're just, they're putting together these amazing events and they rock up and they're just defeated by the, the weather every single time. You know, they, they may do everything up until that last round. That last round, it was so strong that they couldn't even operate out of the um, out of the tower. Um, the commentators had to go down to into a um, uh, into a van on the ground, and they were in race control or whatever. We tried to judge from a van up on the hill um, or a four B on top of the hill, um, but like we did qualifying like that in that, but we're having to get security to constantly move people out of the way, and then eventually it just got too popular we just couldn't control it so we couldn't see anymore so we ended up having to go stand up on the now skeleton tower because normally at least it has like cups and stuff wind. yeah exactly they couldn't run that because it was literally lifting the scaffolding <laughs> yeah it was it was super and weird so it, was, it was nuts we were just standing yeah we were just standing up on the skeleton tower on the top of a hill um I, so i just i just i bring a ski jacket every single time and i have about four layers under a ski jacket every round I've, I've brought that and I wear like three pants and stuff. I'm and just, just fat. Like, <laughs> that helps. <laughs> yeah. Well, I will, I will say as soon as you got, to, as soon as you got at least off the scaffolding, it was better, but like on that scaffolding, it was just hell. But yeah, anyway, so that, I think it was the last like straw that just like, screw yeah. that. like it's just the, and the amount of logistics required to run a lot of this is just crazy. So um, yeah, we, we may end the first round may conflict. I'm not sure. It's just I, feel, I don't know. I'll ask you guys, but I thought the spacing is is pretty good. I, I like the spacing this year. The break between was nice on me, mm-hmm. my wife, and my wallet. Yeah, we and look, we yeah, that, and and we we don't really have as many issues with with weather um, here, except for when there's a hurricane um, moving through. A surprise uh, hurricane. They're the best kind of hurricanes. <laughs> Well, yeah, it wasn't great weather before, but then it turned into um, very not great weather. It was, uh, um, yeah, Phil, Phil is drenched and that pit tent is now over the fence. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I saw, like, to, to give people an idea, I saw a trailer just go off on its own. Like, it literally, a box trailer just shot off into it. It went into a car, but thankfully the guys that own the trailer and the guys that own the car were the same people. But literally, like, a trailer just fucking... It was full blown hurricane. That was pretty ideal. Alright, well, I think that's probably one podcast done and dusted. I don't know about you guys. I'm ready for bed. Looks like Ben's ready for bed. He's slowly been sinking down <laughs> throughout the entire podcast. I'm ready for a nap. Um, I've had a big day. Stewie, Stewie's got most of his day left to go. Stewie's just got out of bed. <laughs> oh, I wish. I wish. I'm still recovering. I'm I'm still dead. Like, mm. I, yeah. All right. Well, thanks for having a chat with us, Stu. And we'll see you in a week and a bit. Oh, I forgot the most important part of round four and five. You all can't make it. So the dream team's back. Prepare your ear holes. It's going to be me and Daddy. So it's not going to be. No, it'll be great. It'll be fine. I swear. <laughs>
I'm sure he knows. He was really happy about it too. So you can see it in his face. <laughs> I am. I actually. I actually am. I am fine. I just like I said, we were. We were. I, I did kept talking about Mez about getting him over and and etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera, but um, we will find a spot to get Mez over for one thing. Yeah. You know, we obviously got Chung over before, and there's other commentators like. Tony B I'll, stuff, I'll attempt to drive to... again one time, okay. sometime, and then you can just fill my spot with with guest commentators again. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, like, no, we've obviously like you guys, you guys, you guys work well. I don't want. I mean, Gil's Gil's great. Gil, too. Yeah. So, like, we 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 have we have we've always had good commentators, but no, we could have Danny back in there, and um, yeah. Cool. Yeah. Uh... <laughs> Thanks, fellas. It's late. Let's get to bed. I mean it. I do. I truly mean it. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>